I'm Anya. Hi, I'm Ashley. And this is The Human Bit. And today we're going to look at the environmental impacts of vegetarianism and also sort of some of the moral questions about vegetarianism itself and really just that whole interplay between the two. Because uh, ever since I became a vegetarian at the age of 12, it has been controversial with just about everyone I feel like that I've met. Like someone has something to say about vegetarianism no no matter who they are. A lot of people go vegetarian for different reasons. Today we're going to try and talk mostly about the environmental reasons because we want to keep it a little bit more sciencey, but kind of the human part of that science. Yeah, and so I guess like real quick, just for reference, I I feel like there's a million definitions of what vegetarianism, and this is mainly just a plant-based diet. Some people eat um, fish. Some people also eat oysters and I don't know, there's controversy with bugs, <laughs> but in general, people still eat eggs. People still eat dairy and, um, generally just not meat. That's the big thing. Yeah. I think when I think of vegetarianism, I would just say a non-meat diet and like maybe pescatarian is someone that's no meat, but kind of like seafood. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely everyone is a little different on what they decide is vegetarian or vegan or whatever, but yeah. And and yeah, vegan is a uh, is a bit further where they do not consume any animal based product. So that, that's meat. That's also dairy. That's eggs. That's also sometimes honey. Yeah, um, according to the Vegan Society yeah. of America, it is honey. I guess what we're trying to say though is vegetarianism is kind of across the board, but it's getting really big, especially in California where we currently reside. But you haven't always lived here. What are no. your thoughts on vegetarianism? Yeah, so I come from New Jersey, and we are a very deli-heavy state, Um, which means that you have a lot of assortment uh, of different types of meats available, and there's a huge – I mean, like, so people in New Jersey tend to be um, of Italian and Irish descent, and, you know, we're really a cultural melting pot, but sort of the common connection that we have through all of this is that food is hugely important for us. My family, it was really important – um, just a, a, a way to show love and generosity. And so, I mean, especially when we're talking about these issues, we can't forget what the importance of food is other than sustaining ourselves. But the cultural connection and, you know, I mean, like I don't have strong cultural connections, I would say, but food is the way we share love. And yeah, yeah we're very, uh, we're very, like meatballs and cheesesteaks are huge out there. I've never had any of them because I generally just don't like meat. And I feel like it. I didn't – I tended to think that – or I tended to more so feel bad about being vegetarian. And it wasn't that I um, didn't want to consume meat to start. It was just that I didn't like the taste. Um, my family doesn't serve it a ton – Although, or for, I guess, like mainly the women in our family don't eat a ton of meat. And so I sort of grew up feeling like I'm just going to eat what I want to eat. And my family is like, fine, just do it. We're busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so that's sort of where my vegetarianism stems from. And then as I've gotten older, I felt more okay with expressing the fact that, you know, maybe I don't like meat, but I feel strongly about the environmental and moral issues surrounding meat as well. And I think that's what you said was your journey. Yeah, my journey to vegetarianism was very interesting. Um, 
my dad is a vegetarian but never really talked about it with me when I was growing up. Like I, I just knew that he didn't <laughs> eat meat. You know, I didn't know that there was like reasons that you wouldn't eat it. I just knew that he didn't. Um, but when I was in kind of late elementary school, I started, you know, connecting that this might be like a moral thing and maybe he doesn't eat it because he is interested in animals or something like that and their well-being. Um, so I kind of lightly tried to be vegetarian here and there, but it never really worked out. I was a shy kid and I would go to my friend's house and their mom would make us like hot dogs. Anyways, I was like always interested in this concept, but nothing ever fired me up enough about it to actually do it. And when I say me, I mean like eight-year-old me. Um, but then I was either 11 or 12 and I was playing this online game of Cooking Mama and... I thought it was the, like, original <laughs> Cooking Mama that you could, like, play on your DS or GameCube or something, but it was actually the PETA version, which, if you're not familiar, is the people for the ethical treatment of animals who have been known to go overboard a lot on yes. their stances, but they made an online version of this kids cooking game where the main character had to go into the farm pull out a chicken cut off its head blood everywhere I remember I was shown these terrible videos of in these factory farms I had to like look at these conditions of where these chickens came from and I I just wanted to play a computer game (laughs) I was I think scarred for life maybe by seeing these conditions and like yeah maybe I was a little bit young and they weren't presented to me in the best way but like I'm glad that I know about them because as soon as I knew that that's like what the deal was I went straight to my parents and I was like I don't eat meat anymore. My dad was cool with it because like I mentioned he was vegetarian. Um, My Oma on the other hand who grew up in Germany at the end of the war and you know that like food was very important and like having enough food was very important to her did not take so well to that she obviously has always supported me though food is love yeah food is love and it was hard for her and some of the other people around me to accept that I was deciding to be vegetarian and I'm sure like you said that reason that I decided to stay vegetarian and stick with it changed over time. Like for me a lot now, it's a lot of environmental reasons. I kind of, you know, I'm still factory farming is a big no-no for me, but I don't know. Do you want to explain what factory farming is? Yeah. So it's essentially the industrialization of the factory process where you're trying to get the most bang for your buck in terms of space. And if you think about it, keeping a lot of cows together or allowing them to roam is very costly in terms of land um, usage. And you can also lose your cattle that way or, or your other animals that you're farming from predators. And so if you're thinking about what is the best way that I can make the most cow or the most crop is, is sort of the way you think about it, it's keeping it in a very contained, isolated area where they're not given the happy cow life that they usually are. They're sort of maintained in pens. They do, I feel like, generally tend to have them socialize a little bit because socialization is so important for a lot of these animals, um, especially cows. But in terms of pigs, it can entail cutting the tails off because they will start to go after each other's tails um, from frustration. They're not allowed to uh, express a lot of these behaviors that they would naturally um, like rooting around or sort of foraging for their food. So they have a lot of energy pent up. It also entails with chickens, they tend to Um, In some instances, cut their beaks so that they can't peck others. Chickens do uh, compulsively pick at themselves um, and will pluck themselves essentially 
despair. Um, so there's a lot of uh, psychological stress that these animals undergo being factory farmed. But in terms of sustainability, we're sort of looking, and there's some studies that come out that say, if you're actually just trying to produce a food crop, factory farming may be the most efficient way to do it um, in terms of energy expenditure. But it's not nice conditions that they live in. And we, of course, want this pasture-raised meat. Like if, mm -hmm. if you're going to get cheese or meat or if you're going to engage in these animal – if you're going to engage in using animals for their food, you would ideally like to have them happier. I, I don't know. I mean maybe yeah. that's not for everybody. I don't know. There's a lot of people that don't care about the animal itself. And where I can't relate to that, like I do understand that those people like are valid and they're – beliefs like you know if it doesn't bother them it doesn't bother them but like there's a lot of other reasons we were saying that you should be vegetarian like I don't know something that I read recently oh tell yes so greenhouse gas is a big thing we, we oh, can yeah. all agree with global warming we've all seen the keeling curve we all know that these gases are increasing and our temperatures are rising and so a big argument that I have uh for a vegetarian diet is that I think that if as like a culture we reduced our livestock intake that it could reduce our um, production I guess of these greenhouse gases like so total production of excrement by the U.S. population is about 12,000 pounds per second whereas the total production of per excrement second yeah per oh second God. I know. <laughs> okay if you thought that number was big though Tell so me. it's it's 12,000 pounds per second, um, but the total production of excrement by U.S. livestock is 250,000 pounds per second. So if we shifted our diet to a more plant-based diet and ate like little or no like domesticated um, livestock, then there would be less livestock to fart into our Earth's atmosphere, you know? Yeah, and, and it's it's cows are particularly bad mm -hmm. because of their digestive system and sort of the way that they need to process by fermentation, which builds these gases. And I mean, we all know about CO2, or I mean, I hope you all know about CO2, <laughs> uh, optimistic, but the methane that they produce yeah. is far worse. And methane is a worse greenhouse gas as far as I understand. Yeah, it's, I don't know the exact time, um, worse that it is from CO2, but it's orders of magnitude worse than CO2. And so a smaller amount of it actually has a greater impact on the global climate change that we're experiencing. Wow. Yeah. So that's like a big reason that we should, if you're not going to be vegetarian, I think it's important to just like think about baby steps, like shifting your diet away from a meat-based diet and more to a plant-based diet. Yeah. I think it's, in it, you know, if you're interested in meat substitutes, the meat substitutes are crazy now. Mm -hmm. They're getting to the point where they're either fulfilling a lot of desires that you would have in terms of like, you know, if you want a burger that bleeds, just go for, what is that? Bur Beyond Burger. The have Beyond Burger. No, I haven't. It's My husband had. so good. Yeah, but like. I know you don't like meat. But you know what? I eat like um, fake chicken patties. Okay. And 
Granted, it's been since like second grade that I've had a chicken patty, but I remember these things and it tastes like it. Yeah, no. Okay. So I have been vegetarian, like I said, since I was 12, but um, I went abroad for a summer and just my food options were so limited. I was getting like sick. So I ate like meat here and there. Turns out I love meat. (laughs) Totally (laughs) forgot that after not eating it for like 10 years. Um, So going back to vegetarianism was really hard. So it, you know, takes types of facts like these to keep me on the diet but like those meat products like beyond burgers and like corn has really good chicken patties like q-u-o-r-n oh yeah they're great and it's like the stuff that you can do with it i don't know i mean personally i'm not missing meat but i've also convinced my husband to sort of go meatless for Mm -hmm. the most part and i think a lot of it was like you know, when we were in Jersey, there was no chance that he was going to go meatless. Yeah. But coming to California, it's really helped. And I think also his take on, you know, climate change and the contribution of that. But there's also a weird masculinity issue wrapped up in oh. vegetarianism. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that is maybe a little bit less of a thing that I've experienced in California. I, I have a lot of like guy friends that are like vegan or vegetarian. But, oh, it's like, cool here. Yeah, no, it's, it's okay. That's also something though that, uh, <laughs> I hate to be again, like not again. I hate to be. Were you ve- a vegetarian before you others were vegetarian? Not that necessarily, <laughs> but it's like I know people that go around flaunting that they are vegan, and then they're like, "Oh, I accidentally drunk ordered chicken on my pizza." I'm like, "You did not accidentally drunk order chicken on your pizza." And like, also, if you did, deal with it. Just eat the chicken. Yeah, I, like, but like, it. no, they'll do it. Like they'll accidentally do it, but every time, and like oh, they'll eat meat like five geez, times Anya's a week. Anya's using finger quotes yes. over here. <laughs> so it's like I know people that are like, "Oh, I'm vegetarian, I'm vegan," and they like preach it, so they want people to know. Yeah. But then they don't stick to that diet, and it's like it's fine. I get it. If you want to break every once in a while, I who am I? I don't I don't care. But like. It really bothers me when people preach at other people and gatekeep other people, but oh, then don't do it yes. themselves. And that's actually a great transition into – so I kind of want to ask you about how after you had eaten some meat and you're like, this mm-hmm. tastes good, how did you then, other than with the facts, did you go cold turkey, pardon, if you will, where you dropped it or was it over time? It had to be meat? cold turkey for oh, me. Oh, it did? Like, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and I did – when I got back from Europe, I was like, okay – I'm going to go to Burger King and I'm going to get some chicken fries because I haven't had them since I was like 11 and I remember how That's good they the are. thing I ate when I would eat yeah, meat, chicken, chicken fries. fries. I ate my chicken fries and then I was like, okay, that's that I guess. But I love yeah. how Burger King, not nothing good. Nothing, no. I didn't have like <laughs> anyone prepare me a steak. I went straight to Burger King. And then Word. there have been a few times since then where I've had like fish sticks when I'm on like the – the coast and I'm like oh I know this was caught sustainably Mm -hmm. um so I've probably had meat about like 10 times in the last two years which is again not perfect vegetarianism but less than once a month and it keeps me on the diet you know at least mostly yeah and I I think it's really important to acknowledge that vegetarianism as much as it is sort of a sustainable way of life is a diet yeah and because I think that can be lost in translation where sometimes it's insinuated that if you are not a vegetarian, for whatever reason, I mean, we're focusing on the environmental impacts here that uh, and benefits of being a vegetarian, but it's sort of a personal failing if you cannot be vegetarian all the time. Oh, well, yeah. Like, because a lot of the reasons that um, 
not every time, obviously, but a lot of the times that I did buckle back and like have meat after that diet it was because like my body was just not okay and like I was in a state where I wasn't like feeding myself well and yeah. like I just needed like a quick fix like something to make me feel better and before I had eaten meat when I was in Europe I was one of those people that was hardcore and I think it became a little bit more like of an OCD thing for me than like actually not eating meat for the right reasons because like I had just not had it for so long I was like I I literally can't look or touch it or taste it or anything at the end of the day vegetarianism is a diet and like it's not available for everyone but that's why I think what I like to do now is encourage people to make vegetarian choices whenever it's possible like absolutely that is the best we can do and like again this is really important when we're going through stuff like the drought because it takes about 25 gallons of water to produce a pound of wheat whereas to produce a pound of meat it takes about 2500 gallons of water so it's and I guess like just for people unaware I mean I'm sure people are aware but like cows need to eat a shit ton of wheat to turn that wheat into cow yeah. And that's where that water discrepancy is. I mean, they're drinking it too, for yeah, sure. Yeah, drinking water. But a Good. lot of it goes up the yeah. trophic levels. Science. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of lost my connection to what you were saying that made me think of this. But something that you had said made me think about how a growing population is also a problem. Like feeding people in general oh, is yeah. a problem. And we're at like, what, point to 7.4 billion like yeah the population has almost like doubled in the last like 200 years or something it's like crazy exponential I mean it's growth. it's it's insane how much of this is tied to the ability to fix nitrogen from the Haber-Bosch process nitrogen Ooh. yeah uh, from the Haber-Bosch process and it's just like that has expanded um, our meat usage if anyone doesn't know that it's like how we can basically fertilize all of our plants if I'm correct I don't know yeah yeah it's um it's mainly that there's a lot of free nitrogen in the air but it's bonded really closely I mean our atmosphere is like 70 percent nitrogen but the nitrogen has an incredibly tight bond and so it's very hard to fix and you know the natural ways are lightning and bacteria but um we learned how to Fix nitrogen and and it's really led to or led to the green revolution, so to yeah. speak. Since this is a concern, like feeding people in general, a vegetarian diet could be very helpful in doing that because, like in general, studies seem to suggest that vegetarian diets like feed more people than a meat-based diet. Because about twenty percent of the corn that is produced in the U.S. is actually like used for humans like you think it'd be much higher but it's only 20 percent because the other 80 percent is going to livestock that's insane yeah there's also this other interesting fact which is that twenty thousand pounds of potatoes can be grown on one acre of land we kind of talked about this a bit whereas only about 165 pounds of beef can be produced on an acre of land so it's like yeah i understand that you're getting different types of nutrients like beef versus potatoes but as someone who has not <laughs> had beef in quite a while, I can tell you. <laughs> Are you <that> lacking? <laughs> I'm lacking in beef. Um, but I can tell you that I'm doing just fine without it. And I am loving me some potatoes. And as since our population is just continuing to grow, we need to seriously think about how we can feed all of these people. Like we already have so many people going hungry and it could just be better use of our land, which might be 
potatoes over beef, but hey, everyone loves french fries, so if we frame it that way, maybe people will get behind it. Oh, I would 100% be in support of more french fries in my life, and I <laughs> live a french fry saturated diet. Yes. <laughs> and I think, yeah, and I guess to that end, I mean, we've been talking a lot about beef, but it's also worth mentioning that, you know, dip- the type of meat you eat matters too. Yeah. And it's not just the health-wise effects where everyone's swearing off of red meat lately, but it's also chicken is a sup- – if you're going to eat meat, chicken is a superior choice environmentally compared to beef mm-hmm. in terms of um, emissions of gases like methane and also the cost to – energetic food cost to produce these animals. Totally. And so – It's important that when we're talking about this, of course, we encourage vegetarianism, but also realize that like any diet in life, small steps matter. And if you're going to make choices, try to make more sustainable choices in terms of, you know, how the meat is produced. So if you're choosing beef, look for um, choices that can, I, I don't know which beef choice is best. I don't know either, but on the note of like, you know, trying to make sustainable choices, the Monterey Bay Aquarium has this lovely app. Oh, it used to yes. be a paper booklet, but now they still have them. They still do, but yeah. now they do the app. It's called Seafood Watch. And um, I'm opening it up on my phone right now. It's this beautiful graphic when you open it up. Oh, but very nice. I know. It's an updated guide to sustainable seafood. So, I mean, it has seafood A through Z, find seafood near you, or you could like search a fish. Like let's say I want cod and I'm at a restaurant and apparently um, Atlantic cod right now, if it is from an indoor recirculating tank, (laughs) wow, I can't read, um, the best choice for cod would be Atlantic cod and like yeah you can go down and see that there's like some methods of catch like set long lines that aren't so good and I mean this is kind of complicated some are more easy like you might want to go for Alaska salmon versus like different salmon (laughs) yeah that's that's a great hint and I I don't know if there's any for sort of livestock but in terms of fish usage amazing what Monterey Bay is doing yeah a lot of times fish can be caught in these really unsustainable ways which is just dragging a net on the seafloor completely disrupting just trawling is the worst um and I didn't know that trawling was a major I mean I always knew that they would throw big nets in there but I didn't realize that they were dragging nets on the seafloor and ripping up habitats until I took an upper division marine and coastal sciences have you seen those pictures it's like beautiful landscapes of corals before trawling and it's this very complex you know, heterogeneous environment with a lot of complexity. And then after, it looks like rubble. It looks like you just laid down, I don't know, rocks for pavement. It's just complete environmental disruption through that. And it's like, it's insane how much just choosing your fish. Like, we're not telling you to stop necessarily. Mm -hmm. Reduction is great. That's true. Just better choices. Exactly. Again, something that like I didn't even know about until I was in college and, like I said, taking these upper division courses. So it's like how do we expect just other people who are walking down the street not in these classes to know, oh, it makes a difference which fish you're taking. And I guess that's part of, like, that human component is, like, we need to communicate that better as people who 
like have the privilege of having this knowledge. We need to communicate that to people to make better choices. It's also really hard because I've been um, at sort of like little mom and pop grocery stores and I'll go look at the seafood and meat just for fun and sustainable seafood can be really expensive. So when there are these cheap options that are sustainable, you know, farm raised gets a bad rap and there's a ton of environmental complexity there, but it is more sustainable Mm -hmm. in that way. And it's, I don't know. I used to sort of look at this stuff like with the fish before I knew about the sustainability and which were better choices and be like, you're just upcharging to rich people. And that's not it. It's just the effort that's required to actually catch fish in methods that don't just destroy the ecosystem are expensive. Yeah. It's unfortunate. And that's why, I mean, making these responsible choices can go hand in hand with eating less meat because if you're eating less meat then spending more money on good meat every once in a while yeah isn't as big of a deal because in general you'll still be spending less so I don't know to someone who's considering vegetarianism but doesn't really feel like they can fully commit that would totally be a version of the diet that I would recommend is like you know maybe doing like trying to do meat free like on the weekdays and then like ball out and buy yourself like a sustainably caught salmon on the weekends or something yeah and it's I mean I think I I was talking to Anya a little bit about this earlier but it's like it feels you know it can feel like we're being wishy-washy about our suggestions but it's really just the fact that there's a lot of complexity with giving an overall assessment or an overall setting an overall expectation for the way that people eat. And because food is so tied up in emotions, family, culture, it's we can't make these across-the-board statements. And that's why we're like, just try to do this, try to do that. You don't have to give it up. I mean, it'd be great if you did, but that's not our place to tell you that. Yeah, I don't know anyone's relationship with food food other than my own. Yeah. So I can just say what I think would be helpful – to someone who is considering wanting to make a difference or a change in there. And I think it's, you're going to come across weird faux pas. And uh, as you're making these changes and as you're thinking about sustainability and sort of thinking about inclusivity of other groups and not the best interaction I've ever had, but over Twitter um, there was an indigenous person talking about how it's like, don't, don't tell us to go vegetarianism or to go vegetarian and then completely ignore the fact that we are um, sustainable harvesters traditionally. And at first, you know, I it, it wasn't right where I was like, no, you should be vegetarian. That's the best choice overall. And I sort of had that moment and I realized what it was was I didn't like the way the argument was presented. And so I ignored what the actual heart of the argument was. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's really hard to have heated discussions about this because it's food. It's people's way of life. And... I mean, ultimately, I acknowledge that I – it wasn't right of me to say, hey, it probably is good to be vegetarian, irrespective of the, of the fact that, like, people decided to industrialize your industry and take away the sustainability of your seafood. <laughs> so, that, I mean, like, that's a whole different issue. But it's like I can't go in assuming that I know all the facts because then you're going to have a situation like that where – I had to be apologetic because I realized that I sort of made an ass of myself. Also, though, like snaps to you for apologizing and realizing that because I know that a lot of people don't get to that point. And it's good to look back on that experience and be like, okay, now I have a better understanding of where this group is coming from. And, you know, we can 
focus our efforts in a different way, you know, so that it's constructive for everyone. Yeah. And that's, I guess, why we're sort of – no, I, I I don't think we're wishy-washy. I think it can sort of come <laughs> I across I think we're giving lately. options. Yeah, we're giving options. And it's like we're not moral absolutist. And it's like Mm-mm. I'm fine with that because, you know, I expect some leniency in my life. And with such a big decision such as food, yeah, take your time. Yeah. Make some decisions. I have one friend – we talked about this last week – that he is a vegetarian – but he eats in and out. So Oh yeah. Yeah. Like he's full vegetarian, like doesn't cook meat, doesn't eat meat, like doesn't get it at restaurants. But if he's going to In and Out, he will get a double double. And like cool. Like that's I don't know what you call that. Is that vegetarianism, in and outism? <laughs> in and outism, yes. But Come for if us that in-N-Out. works for him, like that's great. He's functionally a vegetarian. He's making like, you know, awesome choices and then, you know, if every now and then, like, he wants some beef. I feel like we said beef <laughs> I know, so much. I hate that word. now. Yeah, so that's why I think that when we talk about these things, we're just trying to trigger anyone listening think, to think as well. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I, I know that anything I say is not going to be, you know, right or perfect for anyone else. So it's like just make what you can out of what I say and make it right for you. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's probably, like, theme of the show. We're just going to give you some suggestions. Take what's right for you. And think about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's – I and I think that's really powerful, just even engaging and even beginning to listen to the conversation. And especially when environmental issues can be really complex and you're taking into account human decision-making, that we have to consider – it's not just about choosing the right option. It's about choosing the right option for you at that time, depending potentially on the prior knowledge you have, which could be your culture. And this needs to be an inclusive effort to be anything that's long-lasting, sustainable, and relevant. Agreed. So I guess to wrap us up today, what have we kind of tried to touch on? I think we've tried to touch on, you know, sort of the basic principles of vegetarianism. Yeah, like what it is to be vegetarian. Why it's complex. And what are some of the big environmental reasons that people go vegetarian. And options. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. Bye.